general nerdery. So surprising no one who has ever watched Black Adder, the Black Adder theme song has been running through my head for a week now. Yes. As I've been watching this. Unfortunately, in my half-asleep dream state, the night that I was first watching it, and I watched most of the first season in one go, I didn't have any of the words down. Mm. And it turns out that in half-asleep dream state, Black Adder, Black Adder, sounds pretty similar to America, America. So I was going, Black Adder, Black Adder, God set his grace on thee. <laughs> Uh, so that's terrible and I hated it. Uh, welcome, awesome. welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And, uh, obviously we're here today to talk about Black Adder, technically seasons one and two, but, uh, before that. Before that. What have we been ingesting? What have we been ingesting? So, because, just because I mentioned it last time that I was going to finish it that night, I did in fact end up finishing it that night. So I finished House of the Dragon. Yay. I've heard pretty good things. It was fine. Yeah, it was great. The episode I had heard bad things about was, in fact, real dumb. Yeah, that happens. But whatever. Um, Overall, it's actually been a really good adaptation, and I'm really excited to see what's to come, because now things are really kicking off. So, Also, I've just been having a lot of fun, like, seeing what kind of clickbaity articles come up because of it. I don't know. I was talking with some people at work that were always, that were also watching it, and it was just like I kept having ones come up where it's just like how the House of the Dragons uh, writers have the wool po- pulled over viewers' eyes. Why you shouldn't be rooting for the blacks? And I'm like, you shouldn't be rooting for anybody. This is House of the fucking Dragon. Like, this is one of those shows where once you like take a step back and examine it, everybody's a fucking shithead. Yeah. What yeah. you're rooting for is the drama. Yeah, how did you not... Un- okay. See, the clickbaity articles they're sending me lately is like, Star Trek show, prove something, something. And what it... Or Star Trek series. They always say Star Trek's... And what it is, is the comic books that are coming out. Mm. So, Star Trek series, return Cisco to life. And I was like, oh, it's a comic book. Fucking great. Reel into it. Do not get me wrong. But... But no, we don't have Avery Brooks giving me his dulcet tones back on TV yet. So like, don't promise me this shit. We got this cut. No, I'd never use we got this covered. They're the worst. But see, I guess it was a lot of finishing because I finished that uh, finished that Welcome to Wrexham. The the one where it's uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. From It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they bought a fucking football club. <laughs> and decided our- how to deal with that. That show is fucking amazing. I'm now, like, I still don't watch soccer, but I'm now a fan of that club. Like, I hope they win. Like, tears were shed during the finale. I keep meaning to try soccer again, but I'm aware that it's just because of Ted Lasso. I I don't know. That show is really fucking good, dude. Like, I... I'll have to check it out. I was surprised how much I ended up liking it. Like, I thought the, the trailers and shit looked fine, and, like, I like Rob and Ryan, so, like, yeah. I knew that that was going to be... They're funny. Like, off the cuff, they can be funny. So, Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't worried about that part of it. But, like, I don't care about soccer. I still don't care about soccer. I care about this team, though. That's cool. I get that. Um, Finished The Outer Worlds, uh, which, once again, that was fine. The the game is really good. It's just, it's small. Yeah. Because it's not like, it's the team that did New Vegas, but 
they didn't have triple A funding. It's just the team that did New Vegas. So it's great. They did what they could, but mm-hmm. there's only so much anything. Yeah, it's great, but it's like, you know, a quarter of New Vegas. Ooh. And New Vegas is old enough that it, nothing should be. Uh, well, I play on title. Maybe half stuff, of so. New Vegas. I, I don't uh, It's not that big of a game. That's yeah, what fair. I'm getting at. That's, and it's not that big and not, it's not that, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not, doesn't detract from the game. It's just also, well, now it's over. Cool. Instead of being able to put 50 hours into the main quest line, it's like, if you work on just the main quest line, maybe like nine to 12 hours. After watching you play that game off and on for the past month or so, I'm going to give it in by Borderlands. Mm. I just get such mad Borderlands vibes from that. I get it. Um, I'm super excited that they did announce a second one now that I finally finished this one, Mm -hmm. but... Well, and it did really well, so they probably have way more funding for the second one. Yeah, um, hopefully. But it was also just like, cool, I finished it and immediately uninstalled it. It's just like, I don't I don't need to do it anymore. Okay. I was even thinking about like, oh, it could be kind of fun to go through and try like a different class or, or there's not really classes, but, you know, try mm-hmm. loading out my character different and going through that way. And then I was like, I don't. I kind of played this game the way I wanted to, and it would be neat to see how some of these things work differently, but not neat enough. I might be a heretic. That's how I felt about New Vegas. I played through it. I was mostly happy with the various endings that I got, and I had the like, man, I wish I had done this ending different, but I none of it was enough to be like, I'm going to do a complete whole fucking playthrough of this game again to... Yeah, I did almost everything the way I wanted to. I don't really care to see the other ways that it could have went down. I was never going to side with the Legionary in New Vegas. Yeah, I'm not going to sign with like side with the board, like the corporate director no, board. Fuck like, no, fuck no. that. <laughs> no, no. So that that's what it was. Um, I actually I had fallen behind on Andor, and I just got recaught up. I'm still way behind. I'm going to try this week. It's so good. I know. So good. I'm not doubting you. It's maybe the best thing Star Wars has ever done. I did have a coworker come up to me not realizing that it was a full, not full length, but you know, a longer show. He thought it was a six episode, like hmm. a lot of stuff that's been coming out lately. And so he's like, why is everyone so excited about this? Like, oh, it was fine. It was good. Ended kind of weird. <laughs> and then like turned on Disney plus and had like four new episodes. You're like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> that's I, funny. I understand now. Um, maybe the best thing star Wars has ever done. Well, I mean, you've always thought rogue one is maybe one of the best things star Wars has ever done. So yeah. I'm not at all surprised that this is lined up with that. Started it on some no man's sky. I was really excited about it when I first turned it on and played it really hard for like a day and a half. Yeah, you were playing it last week. And I haven't turned it back on since. Like nothing against the game. I'm definitely going to do a little bit more in it, but there's no... I don't know what I want out of that game. I just know that I was having fun with what I was doing. And other games, I do have an end point in mind. So I'd almost rather like put them in and get that over with. It is sometimes hard with games that get so open world that you're like don't know what 
to do next or like to, to find the momentum to keep going. It's why I don't understand why Breath of the Wild is one of my all-time favorite games because it does the same thing. It's just like, all right, you're here. Go. And I'm still, that's the thing. I'm still really early in No Man's Sky. There's definitely some more I want to check out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play it more, but I don't know how much more. It might be crack out on it really hard again for a weekend and then I'm over with it. It might be a little bit more over the next few months. I don't. And maybe something will click. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, although that's probably not what's going to happen, considering in like a month, Midnight Suns drops. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And I want to just like romp stomp with magic. We're a week or two from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I think that's what they are. Oh, yeah. Coming yeah, out. yeah. And there's a multiplayer on that one. Mm. So, uh, yep. There goes my free time. Um, And then otherwise, like, it kind of crosses over with what I'm going to be talking about with Danny today over on Fried Squirms. But I was excited for it all month, and uh, the Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix dropped. You said you've been liking that overall. Been liking it overall. I mean, I finished them all now. Mm -hmm. Um, They're fine. None of them are, like, super, super spectacular. But one of them I wish we would see a full-length version of. And they all, like, did what they're supposed to. They all felt like horror short stories, and I love horror short stories, so... This is... It's the good thing and the bad thing about... Um, oh, God, I'm blanking the word. The the When a show is just a collection of short stories. Oh, anthologies. Anthology, thank you. With anthologies of... Sometimes there's moments of pure brilliance. Sometimes there's things that's almost moments of pure brilliance if you gave it more time... And even on good anthologies, there's always stuff that's like, that was fine. What The biggest thing is it made me realize how much I missed uh, shows that get introduced by somebody. Have you ever watched the DVD collection of uh, the 90s Spawn cartoon that was on, like, HBO? Uh, I think... The, the one where Keith David right. voices Todd McFarlane intros all the episodes. I'll say, I don't think I ever saw the DVD. I just remember watching it when it was on HBO. In like the 90s leather jacket and oh. the hair. And I want to say like fake graveyard setting for it. And it is the most cringe 90s cool guy shit I have possibly ever seen. But in the like dark and brooding way not the like rob liefeld's levi's jeans commercial okay okay which is the other image cringe cool guy moment on tv uh yeah that's funny no i just um they were good and i there a lot a lot of talent was brought together for it Mm -hmm. like just the actors and the creators involved are incredible and it's kind of neat just to get to see them kind of doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I also, I don't know, I like short, I like horror short stories because as much as there are times that I love everything to be explained, I don't need it all the time. And if you give me just enough to get me that that twist as to, you know, how the story is going to subvert my expectations because that's what horror and comedy both do, then... Horror is such a, I mean, and we know horror isn't really my genre, but it is mm-hmm. such a fine fucking line. I was talking about this with my friend Jason of 
and even he had good things to say about Prey, which I still haven't seen, but he was saying that, like, it needs to stop trying to be horror movies. The more you know about a thing, oftentimes the less scary it is. So the Predators have been getting increasingly less scary with overall with every movie. I hear Prey makes it more intimidating mm-hmm. again. Or like to use Star Trek, the Borg are not that, I mean, they're still dangerous, but they're not that scary by the end of Voyager where they use them a lot. While you watch those first few Borg episodes ever created for Next Gen, and that first Borg episode, even though it's low budget and like not scarily lit or anything like that, it's legitimately a creepy fucking episode. Mm -hmm. So, So there is definitely that risk of, well, now I know too much and whatever. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I guess that, that's been about it though for me god most of my stuff isn't anything too new uh, have watched through all of Lower Deck Season 3 now mm. I think I still have an episode to go I ended up getting interrupted by Cabinet of Curiosities coming out the finale is good it's actually really good and I was talking with Steven about this because he's like, that's one of my favorite finales we've watched of like Star Trek. And I was like, yes. But, and we talked about it a little bit and he agreed with everything I was saying. I was like, damn it. I, I didn't mean to like, yeah. my problem with the finale is it wraps up too many plot lines for me really, really fast. Like the moments that it does are really great, but there are a few things that have been long simmering and, and then we're starting to come to a head this season that are just kind of done mm-hmm. now. And it's not bad, but like, I, I really enjoyed all of it, but like, you know, a huge plot line that's been running for Rutherford theoretically is just done now mm-hmm. without much time to it. And like, I'm excited to see Mariner's next step, but I think you could have elongated this kind of middle stage. Uh, Risk of spoilers, jump forward. Uh, Mariner, at the previous episode, left Starfleet. Right. She is back in Starfleet by the end of this episode. I think that was a mistake. I would have had her leave Starfleet at the end of this season and then done an episode or two, like a little bit away, and then have her come back. Because I think it would have had her return feel more cinematic or, I guess, like emotional. And it, would only, it could have been also been a little bit like her version of when Bradward went to the Titans. Exactly. And actually having him gone for a few episodes really did show what this is without Bradward. Mm-hmm. It would have been fun to see how those three do without Mariner. And also learn how to operate without Mariner. So she has to, like, come back in and they don't mm-hmm. rely on her as much. That said... The moment she returned was really good. So, I think I liked season two more than I liked season three, but I still really enjoyed season three. Like, that's not a... I think I do have one more episode to go. I'm sorry for it's spoiling okay. that no, that's for fine. you, then. That's fine. Um, I was just... I also, even without that one, I'm, I'm kind of more on the season two is better than season three, but yeah. I still enjoyed it. Still enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I read a comic called No One Left to Fight from Dark Horse Comics that I just, I loved it so fucking much. I read, I picked up two volumes of it, read both of them twice in the space of two days. 
Heck yeah. Like sat down, read them both. Wow. The next day was like, all right, I've done stuff. What should I do now? Look at my to read pile. I'm going to read No One Left to Fight Again. <laughs> I picked this book up entirely based off the colorist. Okay. And like not to understate how important a good colorist is because they are. I have never in my life bought a book because I was like, look at these fucking colors. Right. It is a technicolor explosion on every single panel, but not in a way that's like tacky or trashy. It it all like it just makes this world feel like 110 mm-hmm. percent like it, it it's it's so hard sometimes as someone who wants to use every color all of the time to use every color up 100 percent. And not lose something in it. Because it, it can become muddled because there's so much. And we don't have it in this one. Mm-hmm. It is basically a shonen manga written by a Western comic book. So it, it's like it wears its love of Dragon Ball Z on its sleeve. It is not just Dragon Ball Z. But if you understand the language of DBZ, especially, but like Naruto applies to, mm-hmm. you understand this comic book. To the point that they have a power-up mode where their hair glows. Nice. Uh, and it is about... the. It's mostly about these three characters that... It's kind of... Uh, I heard a Dragon Ball Z with a midlife crisis. Okay. The main three characters is like the main hero. The, the Goku of the character. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to use too many, but to describe the basic three. The Goku of the character, or of the, of the story, the Vegeta of the story, and the Bulma. So the main... The, the planetary hero is what they call him. And he's got a real name that I can't think of off the top of my head. And then his like best friend slash rival slash enemy slash number two guy. Again, mm-hmm. Vegeta, who isn't the one that saves the world, but he is the one that gets the girl, the Bulma character. And this is kind of the, the comic takes place after they have saved the earth from some, yeah, some great big thing. Uh, the, the Vegeta character and the Bulma character have had multiple children. They're living their life. They're happy together. And the main hero guy convinces them to go on a journey with him that I'm not going to go into the details of because it's not, I don't want to give too much away, but it's these three people who all saved the world together, figuring out how to deal with each other. And they're like, what do you do next? Mm -hmm. This guy still, you know, the, the Vegeta character has all of the, the anger issues because he's regarded as lesser than the main hero and he can't get past the jealousy. The main hero in much more of a Naruto kind of thing is in love with the number two guy's wife. And he's not really trying to like seduce her. Right. But he's so in love with her that like, it's just, you know, they're having like moments of bonding and he's like holding her hand a little too long. Mm. And like, it's, all of these frictions and what comes next and something is wrong with the main hero. Not going to go into that part, but like, so it's, it's a continuation. If you understand a shonen manga, you understand this almost immediately. And it's interesting because shonen manga are so often black and white to put this in the most vibrant color I've ever seen. They've announced there will be a third series They have not, I can't find anything on it other than a 
there was an interview with the creators at the end oh. of the second miniseries, and they're like, no one left to fight. No one left to fight, too. And the next one will be no one left to fight Mega, and I can find literally fucking nothing. And I'm like, you bastards. Damn. Oh, uh, it's so good. It's It's been a while since I've been that excited about a comic book while reading it, so I really appreciate that. And, I mean, I love comic books, obviously. I'm reading... Mm-hmm. I'm even reading fucking Morbius comics right now. <laughs> I'm not overly happy about it, but it, but it's happening. But this one was just joyful, and I love a good like makes me excited comic book. Other than that, I've been catching up on Witchblade more. All okay. most of my stuff right now is either shit that I've talked about on the show before ad nauseum, or stuff I've been kind of slowly working through, and I don't have like. Too much exciting to, you know. Right. I Speaking of brought up on the show before ad nauseum, I figured I better add in, just for continuity's sake, that I did also binge the entire new season of Big Mouth. Just <laughs> that. I'm pretty sure in like two weeks I'm going to have several new things, but I'm just, especially because it just got cold. And right. the moment it gets cold, I'm like, I'm going to settle in. I'm going to find my comfy shit, and that will be comfy clothes, a lot of sugar, and something I've probably seen before. There you go. Oh, I watched um Something in Wild. Oh, did you watch Wendell and Wild? Wendell and Wild. How is it? it? I was curious I about it. I liked it. Grizz and Cece liked it more than I did, but I mean, that I gave it a solid B. So, like... I... Was planning on watching it this weekend and getting, didn't give myself enough time. It is absolutely worth watching. The cast is good. Several of the cast are very obviously... Key and Peele. Key and Peele, and James Hahn is always kind of James oh, Hahn. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, <laughs> but I love him, so that's fine. Um, it drifts at times a little bit, and the, the claymation is extremely good, but some of the characters are just... Creepy in ways that I don't think they were supposed to be creepy to me. Okay. And it's just some of the animation choices Mm -hmm. that they made. It's not bad. I I really enjoyed it. I definitely recommend watching it. Oh, yeah. You better like Key and Peele, though. Like, if you don't like Key and Peele, just... Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it sometime sooner than later. I feel bad for the director, because it's the same guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas. So it's not Tim Burton. Right. And he it's, did an interview uh, recently. Harry Selleck or Henry Selleck? Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck. Uh, and he did an interview recently like, I would like some credit for Nightmare Before Christmas, please. Like, yeah, I adapted Tim Burton's poem, but but I made that. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of feel for the guy. Um, we don't have any trailers. Yeah, we had no trailers. This it week. is. I have a feeling that the next time we have trailers, like six, we have of no them are trailers drop, we care but... about. Like I said, another Avatar trailer dropped. I don't need to go off on about how I kind of hope it fails, just because I think it would be really funny at this point. But I think it'll do fine. I don't think it's going to be. They're so desperate for it to be an ex- movie in the yeah, world exactly. again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to do that again. I think it's probably going to do really good money, but it's not going to be that. But we'll see. Maybe it will be. Maybe it'll I would love make me to eat s- my fucking words. I would but. love to see some non-Marvel stuff. This is weird for me to be saying, but like, I'd love to see some non-superhero movies really punch those high numbers again to like remind people that we can do Top Gun. 
Yeah, but Top Gun sucks. Um, yeah, but it just I know. obliterated you are all right. those numbers. You are correct. <laughs> I would love something new, really, mm-hmm. is what it is, to pop up and suddenly do fucking amazing. As much as I love comic books and comic book movies, just to change up. You know, I I don't think the superhero movie is going away anytime soon. I do think sometime within the next 10 years, the next big thing of like what's of what action movies are going to be going forward is going to start to emerge. And I just, I'm really curious to see what that will be. You know what? This all does remind me don't, we don't really do news anymore, Uh but I do want to bring this up because it's going to tie in so much as to what trailers in the next few years we are going to see. DC just was like, cool, James Gunn take over our shit. And it's the one hope DC has right now, especially with fucking Zavlav or whatever yeah. his name is, just wrecking everything in sight. It's like the best person they could have chose, though. Literally, it's the only good news I've heard in a while of like behind the scenes stuff for movie productions. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, okay. I, I want to see what he brings to the table. I like. We've been loving everything he's been doing. He even mentioned something about peop, uh, the number of people that re, uh, have been messaging him about Save Legends. Mm. And it's probably not gonna, gonna but because uh, Stargirl, final season. Mm-hmm. There's if enough- they announced if uh, we're getting more Superman and Lois? The season they're working on is guaranteed. There's no word after that, but I expect this is probably the last season. I need to actually check that out and give it a go at I've some not point because I've heard it, so I I've heard really good things about it, and that uh, what's it? Tyler Hockler is supposed to be actually a really oh, good. He's super- we already I mean, we know saw he's him. Yeah, we know he's a good yeah. Superman, but like more time, he continues to be a good mm-hmm. Superman. And I mean, I even respect like because everyone was freaked out at first when uh, one of the kids, the one mm-hmm. of the actors who plays one of his kids chose not to return. But the reason he chose not to return was basically like, I'm a teenager and the pressure of a full-time acting job was just getting to me too much. I need to step back. And hell yeah, bud. Yeah. Fair. (laughs) Don't end up like, oh, so many child stars. Oh my God. Oh, so many child stars. Any of the Brady's. Cool. I just wanted to bring that up because I'm fucking excited about it. And we didn't have any trailers anyway, so uh, that's fine. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss Black Adder, Black Adder. Such a little tits. <laughs> so we decided to do both seasons one and two, even though I was originally arguing for like, no, we should just do one. Like, no. Just, yeah, that's why, that's why we didn't. No. <laughs> so. For those who do not know, Black Adder is a series starring Rowan Atkinson, as well as several other people, but it's best known for starring Rowan Atkinson. Mm-hmm. And who's the guy who plays Baldrick? He's the only other person that's in every season. I'm going to say he's it's Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. And I'm going to make sure on that real quick. Okay. Uh, and each season of this show takes place... Yeah, Tony Robinson. In a different time in British history, and all of them are different members of the same family. Right. It starts during uh, the reign of Richard IV, which didn't happen. Mm -hmm. 
And then we go Elizabethan. Then we go Prince Regency era. And then and we'll then go World, World War, War I. One. Now, we went with medieval and Regency England, which both of these are... Ex- no, not Regency. Not Regency. Elizabethan. Uh, Elizabethan, thank you. Both of these are extremely heavily influenced by different Shakespeare plays. Yes. The first season is Bollocks. bad. And, like, you know, this is the podcast about liking things. We generally don't like to, and we will talk about things they do well, because there are things that I legitimately enjoyed about this series. But they had the main character wrong. And they they admitted that. They completely changed him for the later seasons, and it suddenly works. I haven't looked it up yet, but apparently the characterization of all the characters in the unused pilot is much more is like, closer to what we got later on. Mm-hmm. So even though all of these characters are different members of the same family, they're essentially the same with the exception of the first season. They're all essentially the same person. They're all Edmund Blackadder. Mm-hmm. They're all Baldrick. They're not all Percy Percy. True. But these first two seasons, mm-hmm. they're both Percy Percy in different time, time frames. Yes. The, the first season, as we said, is very Shakespearean, and it is historical Shakespeare stories. I mean, as we said, mm-hmm. it takes place. Blackadder kills Richard III in the very first story, which was admittedly extremely funny. Yes. Uh, the high point for the first season is the presence of Brian Blessed. Yes. Do you want to say the line that you always say anytime? Chesic, fresh horses. There we go. <laughs> Cece had never seen Brian Blessed before, or she'd only seen him as Boss Nass. Mm. And so when I told him, oh, Boss Nass, and she was like, the Gungan, okay, yeah, I guess. But uh, a, a character in Adventure Zone was described as looking like Brian Blessed, and I always got excited when that would like okay. come up. And so she was like, okay, I need to... Like, and when I was like, Brian Blessed is in this, she's like, oh, okay, cool. This is great. I get the actual, like, visual mm-hmm. representation of what this is. And, uh, well, he doesn't disappoint. <laughs> Brian Blessed, if you do not know, is one of my favorite British actors. And he is one of the most insane human beings to have ever lived on this planet. One of my favorite things, just due to his reputation, there are multiple fan pages, wikis, and message boards that are coded so that whenever you type in his name, it converts it to all caps. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, my God. So, real life stuff, I'm pretty sure he's climbed K2. Like, I don't know if it's K2. It's one of the big mountains. I think... um, One of the hard ones, too. Um, I think he's done K2. I know that he's attempted Everest multiple times. He's never actually made the summit. It used to be way harder than it is now. I believe other than the Sherpas, he has the record for the highest ascent up Everest without oxygen. That's insane. And the one of the times he didn't make the summit, he was literally a couple hundred foot away, but stopped to basically save a team member who broke his leg. He's uh, been to both poles. He's been to the North and the South Pole. He's done all sorts of wild shit. He's been to Doctor Who. He's... He was childhood friends with Patrick Stewart. Childhood friends with... Oh, my God. 
Oh my God. He remembers going to Patrick Stewart's house uh, when they were like nine years old and hanging out. And he's uh, <laughs> mo probably most famous in America for Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. And that's not a great thing to be famous for because, like, it, it's a pretty strange. We can just end there. It's yeah. strange. I fucking love that movie by the way, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, hmm. It is what it is. <laughs> and, um, it's a Canon Films production. Ooh, that's so good. I love it so much. Uh, or for being boss Nass, and everyone was just like, all right. That, that happened. That's a guy. Somebody is obviously doing that voice. I don't have proof of this. I'm pretty sure, though, that he started on stage. Yes. And he just never quite learned that you don't need to stage project. So here's the thing. He's kind of like Nick Cage. He gets hired to be that guy. Mm -hmm. Apparently in his everyday life, he's pretty quiet, practices meditation, is a vegetarian. He's an absolute lunatic in his own right too. Like I've read yeah. some interviews with him like, oh, you're like, you're fun and I'm glad you exist, but you're insane and you should probably stop talking. Yes, that too. <laughs> But yeah, he, he realizes, much like Nick Cage does, that most of the times when he's hired... He's hired to be Brian Blessed. Mm -hmm. uh, the visual design of Destruction from the Sandman is also based off Brian Blessed. In the... In the, in the uh, comics. comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's probably too old to play Destruction now, but... Sadly. Oh, my God. Although, oh, my God. He's still a big guy. <laughs> like I mean, I know who I would... I know immediately who I would hire to be destruction nowadays though. Who? Um, Oh God. I don't know. know if I even know how to say his name. Um, he was uh Tormund giant Spain in game of Thrones. Oh, Ki the, the big Kiju? smiley guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the one that had it bad for Brian of Tarth. Yeah. 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 That's the one. Um, yeah, he's immediately my destruction now, but since, yeah, I'm not going to put Brian blessed through that. <laughs> He's an old man now. <laughs> For reference, Brian Blessed is 86 years old. Yeah. He was born in 1936. Do you want right. to give it over the other cast? Just uh, we'll do the first season first. First season. Uh, let's see. We've oh, met, also we've... real quick. Brian Blessed was the voice of Clayton in Disney's Tarzan. That's another place that he's going to be well known. Okay. So not only is he the voice. <laughs> We love this man. We really do. Not only is he the voice of Clayton, he's uncredited because it was only one line, but the actor doing the voice for Tarzan couldn't do the Tarzan yell. So he did the Tarzan yell? Yes, he did. Okay, I just, I'm sorry. I Eventually we will stop talking about Brian Blessed. The point of this was not the Brian Blessed episode, but here's literally the opening paragraph under personal life on Wikipedia. In 1963, Blessed, then in his late 20s, assisted a mother giving birth in Richmond Park, London. He delivered the healthy baby girl, then bit through the umbilical cord. He later recounted, I was covered in blood. My shirt was covered in blood. I was wrapping her, wiping her, saying, It's all right, darling. And I was licking the baby's face. This man is absolutely insane. Yes. Um, all right, so we already mentioned Rowan Atkinson is playing Edmund Blackadder, mm -hmm. the uh, the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, we have Brian Blessed as King Richard the Fourth of England, 
who, if you know anything about Richard III in that time period, was supposed to have been killed in the tower. Now there They is... bring it up in the first issue. He might not have been killed in the tower. He might have just been secreted away. He definitely wasn't around, and we only know about 10 years of his life. There is a whole lot of debate about the actual nature of Richard III, because it's these days generally thought that he is the victim of, like, one of the world's greatest public smear campaigns, mm -hmm. especially because the main thing we know him from, like, the main way the public knows him is through Shakespeare's Richard III, where he's just the most weaselly little shit. But, I mean, he's a British monarch from the Middle Ages. He probably wasn't that good of a guy no matter what. Right. Uh, we had Elspeth Gray playing Gertrude, the queen. Mm -hmm. I She was one of my favorite parts of this season. Yeah, she was good. Uh, Robert East played Harry, Prince of Wales, older brother to Edmund. He was fine. I liked him. Uh, Tim McInerney plays Percy, Duke of Northumberland. I legitimately always forget Percy Percy exists. And then I watch and I'm like, right. That's it. That's the person. Because I keep mixing him with Hugh Laurie's character from the uh, later seasons. A lot of the outside scenes in this first season filmed in Northumberland. This first season, it doesn't sound expensive when you talk about it today. But in 1983, a million pounds an episode. Not an episode. I think it was a million pounds for the entire season. Six million pounds for the season. Was it? Jesus. I want to say. I thought it was a million pounds for the season, which was still a lot for BBC. Point is, it was an extreme... Because everything was filmed on location, uh, it was a ridiculously expensive show. Oh, also all that British medieval clothing and getting that right. Because it's uh, surprisingly accurate. They even kind of admit they didn't need that big of a budget. But since they were going to throw it at them... Then let's do it. Why not? Let's go check out all these places. Let's go film all these castles. Um, and it is kind of a pretty season. Like, it's not meant to look pretty pretty. It's not scenery porn, but, like, it, like it is, you're out in the world. It's, it is oddly one of the most historically accurate-looking period pieces of that era that I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Which is strange, because it's the fucking Black Adder. <laughs> I did see a quote. I wish I could remember who said it. That was really funny uh, about it. It was just like, oh, fuck. What was it? It was uh, something like it cost a million pounds, but looks like a million dollars. Or watches like a million dollars, something like that. And it, mm, from what I understand, not it a lot. It cost a million pounds. You were right. Yeah. A million pounds for six episodes. That's where I was getting. <sighs> That's still insane. For 1983 money? And yeah. the BBC. Also, not famous for giving people money. Now, I mean, let, okay, let's put it this way. These days, today, Doctor Who goes for a million dollars an episode. Doctor Who, the biggest show in Britain. Well, Great British Bake Off might have it beaten, but... Yeah. That's actually, with uh, Disney Plus getting it, they're, uh, it's confusing on what's going on. They don't have any creative input, theoretically, but they're putting in money, so they're going to mm -hmm. have some creative input. Uh, but they do have distribution rights outside of Britain and they're putting in money and it sounds like Doctor Who budgets are going to be like 10 times what they used to be. 
could be up to like ten million dollars an episode instead of a million dollars an episode. Is I'm, I wonder if anybody's talked about whether Disney's going to float them that the crazy ass filming shit that they've been doing the, the oh, big wall, the, the Mandalorian yeah. stuff. The hmm. I'm back and forth on how much I want that, but that's it'd be cool. It's a it's a cheap way to make things look more expensive, and then if you're already throwing a ton of money at it, then it just becomes everything looks cinematic. Mm-hmm. There's something about Doctor Who that I want to look kind of hokey, but I get you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the okay. Um, and then uh, oh, Tony Robinson, of course, is Baldrick. <laughs> and for like the the second he shows up, you have Stephen Tate as Lord Chiswick. Which one's Lord Chiswick? He's around in most of the scenes with um, the king. Oh, okay. He's basically the one that the king's always ordering to do things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> the important ones are, well, we already sucked off Brian Blessed, but they're important because they go forward is Rowan Atkinson, Tim McInerney, and Tony Robinson. Percy Percy. Oh, Blackadder, Percy Percy. Baldrick. The basic setup here for this first season. Blackadder is the shitty second son of Brian Blessed. He is, in this season, a craven, high-pitched garbage sack. Yes. Now, he's, he's also really dumb, but he does have more, quote-unquote, street smarts, you could argue, than the rest of the cast. Now, this is the thing... Blackadder in the later seasons is always a bad person, but he's smart, handsome, and funny in later ones. And I didn't even know you could make Rowan Atkinson handsome, but like, he, he he's good looking in season two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want his get up, even though it looks super uncomfortable. It looks It's so... the pants. The top is actually, I could get you that for like 50 yeah. bucks on Museum Replicas. The pants um, though. And yeah. the cod piece. Fucking cod pieces. The number of cod pieces they make Rowan Atkinson wear in this fucking show. Uh, the basic thing of this is pretty typical, you know, Shakespearean plotting. I mean, he really is Richard III, except yeah. stupid. He wants power. He is plotting to murder his brother or his father or whoever at the time needs it. Pretty much anyone but his mother seems to be fair game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he would assassinate his mother if he got anything out of it. He just... There's nothing. There, he wouldn't get anything out of it, so no reason to bother. Yeah. But he is also a gigantic coward and dumb. Baldrick, who is his... Well, I, I would go to say... I would say that almost all of the Black Adders are cowardly. Oh, no, they're He's all He's just outwardly, mm-hmm. like, sniveling coward. Yes, Sniveling is the word to sum up this entire first Black Adder, and it's why this season has problems. Yeah. Oh, so it's like I remembered Edmund being a sniveling coward in this season. I'd actually somehow forgotten that Baldrick is actually weirdly hyper competent this season. In the first season, they made Baldrick capable. Yes. Now, there's a running thing in the whole thing that Baldrick always, I have a cunning plan. And they're supposed to be generally terrible fucking plans. In the first season, they actually tend to work. Yeah. Which is weird. Honestly, I would say, once again, most of the time, his plans mostly work. Mm Mm-hmm. 
if not all the way work. Although sometimes it's not even the stupidity of him, it's the stupidity of the other people. I don't know. Yeah. No, like that like the it'll work on somebody and the person will be so stupid for it to truly work. Now <laughs> I will say there are moments of real brilliance in this first season. Some of the jokes land extremely well. Some of the setup is really good. Uh to be honest, the episode with um the episode where he's made an archbishop? I was about to say, that had one of my favorite I jokes. will put that episode up against almost any other episode we watched, and it might not be better than, like, most of the second season. But it's in but the conversation. But it stands on that same level. Mm-hmm. Partly because um, Blackadder actually gets to, like, do some shit. I just loved the brilliance in the writing of at the end when it's... Wait, <laughs> after they get... The, the dude to sign over his land to the state and not to the church. Running plot is the king makes his shitty son the archbishop, which is a role that almost always gets someone killed. So people who are dying will sign over their uh, uh, land, land to, the to, the, to the king well, instead now, yeah. of the church. Instead of the church. The church keeps beating him out for shit that he wants. Mm-hmm. But I just loved the, like, father, my son, father, my son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Brian Blessed, who can't even get Edmund's name. The whole, his biggest joke is he never gets Edmund's name. Edna? Edna? Ernest. Edgar. Edgar, sorry. The Black Dagger. Um, <laughs> Still better than Black Vegetable. My father, uh, my son in Black Adder. My father. Then swap around. My my father bowing to the archbishop. My son. son. It's it works if you watch it. I promise. Um, that's a hard one to translate to a completely audio format. Um, but it was great. It was great. I loved it was it. super funny. You know what? I will talk about. Here's a, a place, and I'm gonna start with. There are parts of this series, both series, that have not aged well. Because they came out in nineteen, I want to say nineteen eighty three and nineteen eighty six, respectively. Mm-hmm. So 83 predates Bean? I think so. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure on that one. I want to say this was like one of the first. Yeah, Bean didn't start till 90. I want to say this is one of the first ones where really he started to become known. So this was the star making role for essentially Mm -hmm. uh, him, Tony Robinson, and it brought Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie out of the small leagues. Yes. Basically, like, people knew their names, but they weren't household names yet. It was mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, I thought I heard something, but aren't they, like, sketch performers? Well, and those guys, yeah, they did a bit of Fry and Laurie later, and then they did fucking Jeeves and Wooster together, which exploded them, because I fucking love Jeeves and Wooster. But those guys, Stephen Fry will join next season. Hugh Laurie will appear in a couple of roles next season, but he doesn't really join until season three. Right. But there is an episode here where they're trying. Uh, Brian Blessed keeps trying to marry off his kids for alliances, which is a real legitimate thing that happens fucking constantly in medieval history. So accurate. But because the woman is fat, Black Adder pretends to be gay. And that scene, that whole bit, was kind of uncomfortable. In the year 2022 for me, 
I will also say, not as bad as it could have been for being 1983. Honestly, yes. Both season, both episodes that I have places of like, this is kind of homophobic critiques, could have been much worse. And like, it tends to just be one bit where that goes bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other season has it too, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but it does end with the joke of like, he's just about to get married to this woman. He really doesn't want to. He's done every single thing he can to get out of it, including getting Baldrick to seduce her during the night. I will say Baldrick the, ends up with two black eyes. The running <laughs> gag that this woman, who I believe is German or Spanish, a Spanish and Spanish, Spanish. Yeah. Uh, has a translator who is translating everything, including sexy time phrases, was pretty good, but did you catch uh, her translator's name? Uh-uh. Don speak English. I hate this fucking season. Um, <laughs> but at the very end, she gets kicked aside because Spain joins the enemy and he has to marry someone else. And it ends up being a six-year-old. And a joke that could have immediately gone to pedophilia remarkably doesn't and is almost sweet. Right. He marries this six-year-old, but then he is, and he refers to her as dear for the rest of whenever she shows up. But like in a thing that could have so easily been awkward, pedophilia, sexualized kid, whatever. No. Mm -hmm. She's a little girl and she is treated as a little girl. He reads her bedtime stories. He like... It's, you know, there are other bits of her being like, you look funny. And he's like, they shaved off all my hair and tortured me. And she's like, yep, that's it. Yeah. Like, it's, um, and it, maybe it's because she's the only person we ever actually see him be kind of kind to. Mm-hmm. I will say also, it's strange to note this because the writing staff hadn't changed any. But as the season goes on, like the later episodes have him closer to season two than the early episodes do. They were figuring out that the season, that the character wasn't what they wanted it to be. And that's really kind of where it was. Um, you know what I wish I would have known for these past couple of years? Hmm. That a rat a day keeps the plague away. I had rats. <laughs> it did not. It did not. <laughs> I mean, I didn't eat the rats, so that's the mistake I made, I guess. But I liked my rats, so we weren't going to do that. Uh other than the final episode, I don't really have too much more to say about this first season. I like that final episode. Oh, the final episode is one of the best episodes. The have- the Archbishop episode and the final episode mm-hmm. are head and shoulders above all of the others. Other than the very first episode where he kills Richard III is pretty funny. That's but pretty like good. the rest of also, the episode is kind of weak. Richard III being Peter Cook. That was kind of dope. Got to get him in there somewhere. Like that's... You know he's dead if you're getting Peter Cook for this small of a TV show, but... The absolute ridiculous armor they had him wearing, that helm, was pretty... Oh, my God. Uh, Final episode. So there is a thing here. I've been watching Blackadder. You know, I didn't actually ask this. What is your history with Blackadder? My... Oh, this is fun. Because we usually do this, and then I just kind of skipped over to talk about... My history with Blackadder was I was having a sleepover with a friend... Mm-hmm. And we were pulling an all-nighter, and it got to be super early in the morning, and we were flipping around channels, 
And I could probably almost tell you exactly what day this was because, <laughs> because of what came on right after. Ah. Um, actually, let me, let me take a look at this. I want to see if this actually looks like the right date or not. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. So it most likely would have been April 6th, 1998. And we, it was super early in the morning. We were flipping around channels, came up on this show and we stopped it. And I can't remember which episode it was. It was either, it was something, it was either potato or head. I believe it was head was the episode that we watched and I loved it. I was just like, Oh, this is fucking funny. This is great. What was this called again? And my buddy's just like, it's black adder. How do you not know this? I'm like, what? Why do you just say it like that? And he's like, this is, this is one of the friends that had first introduced me to, to Monty Python and to red dwarf. If you know, Brit comes, this is kind of the Holy grail of British comedies. Like, me and him were super into some of the British comedies. We had just started watching some Faulty Towers together. Like Oddly, one of the only ones I've never really seen um, of the, like, you know, classic echelons. But it was like, like me and him in our spare time, he had the, the script book for Holy Grail. <laughs> so in our spare time, we would actually just, like, go through lines and, like, have fun with that. Oh, damn. And so he was just like, what are you talking about? It's Blackadder. Like... I'm like, dude, you've you've never had me watch this. You showed me you showed me Monty Python, you've shown me Red Dwarf. You are my only source for this shit. <laughs> like, you guys have gotten me into this. Why didn't you tell me about this one? He's like, Well, I'll just I'll just borrow some of them from my aunt next time she's she's around. I'll give her a call this weekend. So we watched, like I said, I believe it was head, and the reason why I know the date is because the thing that came on right after on PBS was the American premiere of Teletubbies. What the fuck? <laughs> what? We watched like two episodes of Black... Actually, you know what? It was probably the first two of season two that what we watched. <laughs> what is happening? And so then we also watched the first episode of Teletubbies. Oh, God. Okay, so... My experience beyond the fact that one of my core childhood memories is watching the final episode of Blackadder goes forth, the final the final episode of Blackadder ever really made, I think. Until they did the back and forth special years 10 years later. later. But um and we won't go into this other than the fact that it made me cry my fucking eyes out and I remember sitting in the upstairs bathroom of my every mom's time? apartment. You mean every so time? I've not does? watched that. I've not watched Blackadder goes forth since. I just wasn't up for it. Um, it's coming like a freight train, guys. Uh, but that's just tears. That was a core memory. <laughs> but the other core memory is this finale of season one. Mm. And the basic plot line of this is Blackadder goes and gathers the five most wicked men in England. Four most wicked? That's six. Because it's basically the Magnificent Seven, yes. except they're evil. But I had never seen the Magnificent Seven. So that running thing where, like, they come up and they, like, put up one finger and the other person puts up two fingers to, like, show, like, <laughs> I've joined. I didn't know that wasn't from Black Adder. Mm. And it's legitimately cool. Always. So, like, watching it in Magnificent Seven years later was like, hey. <laughs> uh, the thing I never noticed until this time, which I thought was hilarious that I'd never caught it before was that once, once Edmund isn't trying to recruit 
Hawk anymore and is kind of trying to one up and be like, I'm the most evil guy in the. Mm-hmm. He starts calling him a nickname from their kid days. And what was the nick? Well, because he's called Hawk now. Mm-hmm. And so as a kid, he was called Thrush. Which is a smaller, less dangerous bird, but is also a yeast infection. Ooh, I did not catch that. I'll be honest, less so with this final one. Part of the reason why we're kind of dancing through this first season one is to go through all 12 episodes to take forever. Uh, and two, I would lose track for like 10, 15 minutes at a time. Same. There are... I went back and rewatched episodes, I think, four and five, because I just... I was like, oh, so the, those happened, and like, I kind of know what happened, but there I need to sit here. moments of pure brilliance, and it was all very good looking, but like, they didn't lose anything by, in season two, using like three basic sets. Right. Season one's fine. It's Brian Blessed. Oh, so, oh, and that last episode has a small appearance from Rick Mayall, playing Mad Gerald, down in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Rick Mayall is Drop Dead Fred. Oh, shit. Rick Mayall would also go on uh, later on to partner up with the writer that gets introduced in the second season. Rowan Atkinson stopped being one of the main writers for the show. He stepped down, and they brought in a guy named Ben Elton. Ben Elton and Rick Mayall did The Young Ones, which I believe was the first live-action sitcom they showed on MTV. And honestly, if you've ever seen the young ones, they're not super similar, but there's no way like it's one of those weird, like foundation bedrock type shows that a lot of things built off of, including like Family Guy. Okay, good and bad in that. It's weird because they're not that similar. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, I get it. The, the some of the language and just the same energy mm-hmm. and it's live action. So they can't go as crazy with the non sequiturs, but like just weird surrealist shit happens in the middle of the episodes. And I think Rowan Atkinson stepping down as one of the writers is part of what made this better. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good little segue season two. <laughs> so Rowan Atkinson real quick, Rowan Atkinson's a weird dude. And I don't really need to go into it. I'm not being like, Rowan Atkinson's a bad... He's just... He's another... Not quite like Brian Blessed, where I'm like, you're absolute lunatic. But there's a lot of cases where Rowan Atkinson, if you read interviews with him, can be, you know... Just kind of a jerk? Yeah. Very much a boomer white guy sometimes. A well-to-do boomer white guy sometimes in ways that irritate the shit out of me. Because, oh shit, he graduated... Oxford? Probably. I think he was Oxford while um, Fry and somebody else on the set were Cambridge. Oh, God, I'm sure that was <laughs> fucking infuriating to deal with. Now, the, the kind of the reason I'm bringing this up is because I did find it interesting. Rowan Atkinson, has, who has a long history of comedy. I mean, he's also Mr. Fucking Bean. And what was it? Johnny He'll probably be most remembered as Mr. Bean. Yeah, but this is better. And I agree. Even his like 007 parodies, Johnny, Johnny English, English. I like the was first pretty one. Pretty good. Yeah. I never saw the second one, but mm. like first one, I legitimately remember as being funny. I haven't and watched. Malkovich his... is the bad guy. He's great. <laughs> Anything with Malkovich. Come on, man. But he's talked about because he has massive anxiety when it comes to stage fright. Basically, of he talks about 
that it is really difficult for him to do the acting he does, which when he says this as like an older man, we're like, you can just retire. It's okay. But you know, he wanted to create, he wanted to make this funny stuff, but he says, I don't really enjoy the actual process of the creation because I get so stressed out. Cause usually like, especially Mr. Bean, everyone else is playing the straight man character mm-hmm. and he's playing Mr. Fucking Bean. So he has to be like, he is the one funny thing and all of the humor stems from him. And he found that incredibly stressful. I understand. He said that one of the only shows he ever had where he didn't have that as much was Black Adder because it was all of these people in some ways at the top of their game making humor together. And season two is really where that starts to develop. Season two is so fucking good. Because you want to know where this ties into this first episode. You want to know where some of that anxiety comes from. Something I I never would have guessed. Rowan Atkinson has a stutter. Oh my God. Okay. That's where his pronunciation of Bob comes from. Bob. Because B is the letter he has a hard time with when he starts to get keyed up. I have been laughing at that pronunciation, not knowing it's stutter related. Well, I think he laughs at like, Oh no, like he's in on it. He very much does it, but just like, Holy fuck. Okay. So before we dive into the episodes, cause I actually have shit to say about some of these episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) that's going to happen a lot. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, Season, uh, season two, the only returning actors are, or the only returning characters are Percy, Percy, Baldrick and Blackadder. So Edmund, uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson, Tony Robinson, and the other guy who's named Tim McInerney. Tim McInerney. Thank you. Also coming in is Stephen Fry as Lord Melchit or Melchie. Yeah. Stephen Fry as Lord Melchit. Just mentioned that. Uh, Patsy Byrne is Nursie. God, she's so good. She just has no hesitation to say the most insane shit. And uh, Miranda Richardson as Queen Elizabeth. Who was, I think, Cece's favorite from this season. Now, who we did, did Cece recognize her? Not necessarily. Because Miranda Richardson was Madame Tracy in The Good Omens. Holy fucking shit. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> she's intense in this season. She's yeah. really good. She's like the best oh version of the God. Queen of Hearts. It's so much funnier to me watching it this time, thinking about the fact that that's the queen the doctor marries in the 50th anniversary <laughs> special of Doctor Who. Oh, shit. Yes. As I was watching this season, watch an episode or two later with that in mind to be like, oh, my God. Because now this is a real queen. You said Mary Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm sorry. Fucking her name is Mary. The actresses. Uh, Miranda. Miranda. God damn it. (laughs) How do I run so many podcasts and am completely incapable of remembering names? Queen Elizabeth is one of the most famous queens in history. She is actually as much as I really don't care for the British monarchy, a truly fascinating individual. And they do use several of her real lines here. Like in one episode, she's like, I may be a weak and frail woman. And I think Cece was starting to roll her eyes. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's a, this is real. That's a very famous speech. (laughs) She does. Um, But in this version, she's a spoiled bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And insane. And insane. She might be in real life, too, because, you know, she was right. 
But like the queen, but <laughs> holy shit, insane! Like she is the she is the antagonist of the season more than anything else. More than often than not, Blackadder has to do stuff because she has a whim, and almost everybody has to walk on eggshells around her because she might just order them to have their heads lopped off. Well, she was. God, I, I sh- we should have looked this up before, but Queen Elizabeth was the daughter of, what, Henry V? Uh, one of the Henrys, yeah. I'm not sure which Henry. And I want to say it's the Henry who was infamous for murdering people, like mm-hmm. killing all of his wives. So this yeah. was a very head-chop-off-y family, even if that's not the direct line. Like, mm-hmm. this is... Um, Now, in reality, she wasn't the all-powerful dictator. Like, in real history, there was a person she wanted to marry, and part of the reason she was the virgin queen who never married was she couldn't marry the one person she wanted to. You mean, spoiler, it's not because she was just Hugh Laurie in disguise? (laughs) I can't decide if I want that scene to be, like, (laughs) real. Or in in the very final scene, spoiler... Uh, it turns out Hugh Laurie's character, who's in disguise, who you think is dead and has been stabbed twice in the last scene, murders everyone in the cast, impersonates the queen, and just rules England for the next however long. However long, yeah. But anyways, this version of Blackadder, the, the thing is, Blackadder almost always becomes more intelligent as the seasons go on but really kind of specifically between this one and the next. Yeah, but, the, the other changes are a lot more gradual. Mm-hmm. And season three, Blackadder might be the smartest of them, but even then it's, you know, but every Blackadder as, as going forth has a lower social rank as things go on. Mm-hmm. First one was a prince. Second one is a lord. The third one is a butler. Like a valet, but like yeah. still. At least it was to the prince, but yeah, yeah or he's prince a, regent, but he is a powerful man, but he's not a nobleman anymore. No. And the fourth one, he's, he's a trenches. captain in the British army in World War One. Like that's not a great place to be. He is immediately more intelligent, and Baldric is immediately more stupid. And as much, and it works so well. It does, and I'm not always into like, oh, the peasants dumb and the like, and but. Rowan Atkinson, because he's kind of a jerk, plays a jerk really well. While Tony Robinson, I know nothing about him. He's great. Plays a well-meaning dingbat extremely, like he has no problem humbling himself in ways that I don't think Rowan Atkinson was nearly as good at. Um, but it's it's the Blackadder characterization from season two on, which is why people remember this show. Mm-hmm. Because he's almost the living embodiment of snark. Real quick, side note. Tony Robinson voices a bunch of the Discworld audiobooks, mm. but it's all the abridged ones. Oh, fucking And lame. I can't bring myself to do it because they turned Jingo into a two-hour book. That's fucking The unabridged lame. one is 13 hours. He's the perfect voice for it, too. He'd be so good. Actually, he would have played a really good Vimes back in the day. Mm-hmm. I agree. He would have been very good also a really good knobby knobs. Like it's weird that he could pull both of those roles off, but uh, look, um, a black ad or two Rowan Atkinson would be a good patrician. Ooh yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so. Oh, 
Bob. It's so good, Bob. though. So also, here's the other thing. I When I was thinking about this, I wonder, there's a part of me that wonders how much it was a direct influence and maybe, honestly, it's probably more of an indirect influence and they were both pulling their influences from something similar. But this is basically just historical pinky in the brain. <laughs> yeah, except with two pinkies. <laughs> God, those frills look so uncomfortable. Like, the main shirts don't look bad to me. No. The doublet looks fine. Yes. The doublet looks pretty dope, especially Black Adders. I've thought about getting a doublet for Belagarth for years. I actually really fucking love the adder with the dagger mm-hmm. that's on his side of his... The black dagger? Yeah, the black dagger. Sorry. So the first episode pulls on a very classic trope of fiction, especially fiction of this era. And I think, for, I don't know, Shakespeare might have actually used it at some point of a woman dresses up as a man. It fucking Mulan's it. I mean, considering how heavily the first two seasons are influenced by Shakespeare in almost fucking countless ways, like every episode they has... They straight up name drop him. Yeah. Every episode, I think, has some sort of reference to Shakespeare. To Will Shakespeare honest. helped me with the title. Um, it might just be a reference to the fact that, like, most of those original productions were all male cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the basic thing is a woman takes the role of pretends to be a man to go get work and make her living, yada, yada, yada. Blackadder immediately falls in love with her, not realizing she's a woman and starts freaking out. Honestly, to this day, you can still do this story in non-problematic ways. And for the most part, they stick the landing in this episode. There's one scene that made me uncomfortable with this. And the problem is, you know, because, oh, I'm in love with a man. It's so easy to drop homophobic jokes in. And they do. Mm -hmm. Where there's a scene where he goes to the doctor to figure out what's going wrong. And there is a good joke in here of the doctor's answer to everything is leeches, including leeches on the testicles. But the other thing is the doctor is straight up just being like, ew, you're gross. Like, oh, you're... And it just... Like, 30 straight seconds of homophobia played for laughs and then moved on. And I was just, it it pulled me out of the episode. And I recognize this was made in 1980, mid-80s, that we have come a long way from here. But especially with Stephen Fry being one of the most prominent gay actors in Britain now, it just felt weird. I agree. I'm not... But I also, yeah, I, I feel like it's good to have one character get at least close to the real feelings of the time period, so you're not just glossing over the fact uh, that, like... Okay, well, also on the same note on that, there's a whole lot of historical debate about what that would have... The, the reality of homosexuality in... The reality was that Britain. it was all over the place, but the reality was also you weren't out about it. For the most part, it was significantly more complicated. I mean, and the, <clears throat> this is the problem of talking about queer representation in a period piece. If you're trying to do period representation, because homosexuality, as we know it today, didn't really 
exist. And that does not mean there were people, there weren't people who were only attracted to their same gender or to multiple genders or any, you know, the whole spectrum has always existed. But the way that we look about it, the way that we talk about it, the way that we interact with sexuality on all scales today is different, is completely different to the point that homosexual, not homosexual, heterosexuality, what is <laughs> what gross people refer to as like the normal, this is what you should be. Heterosexuality was a bad thing when they first talked about it because it was an obsessive mm-hmm. uh, relationship with the opposite sex. It was people who were too into pussy like, <laughs> or to dick, you know, like yeah, whatever. Depending. Like, like you need to calm it down. So it's, yes, I agree with what you're saying. But the fact that that character was like the way it was presented pulled me out in strange ways. And I just felt like it would be dishonest to not talk about it, to not mention it. I think I would have had a, bigger problem with it if it was a different character saying all of that yes because if one least, of the main characters said it i would have been very different it, at least it's the character who's then like but leeches can solve all your problems and you're like oh yeah you're a fucking quack now the fact that quack quack one of my <laughs> friends who is queer was watching it with me definitely also like mm-hmm. maybe be like Oh, I forgot about this scene. Now mm-hmm. he'd seen it before too. So like, it's not like him being like, Zach, what the fuck, fuck are you showing me? That said immediately the next scene, he like goes to an old witch and she's like, well, you should fuck him then. Yeah. Now that, that witch immediately makes a joke about drugging someone so she can have sex with them. But I was also like, Ooh, that's not a joke that we make in 2022, <laughs> but it was quick and done. And the actress who plays, Bob. Bob is um uh Gabriel Glaster and she'll po- show up again later and then just recently she was in a show where she basically played Bob again. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's over the top but she's extremely good. She's a I don't know, the whole thing I really liked and the running gag at the end cuz she's going to marry Black Adder. Lord Flashheart. Lord Flashheart shows up immediately. Once again, Rick Mail immediately steals her away. And uh, the thing that I like that they ended on is they kind of, it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of not played as like, oh, these like degenerates. Part of the reason she runs off with him is she reveals that she would rather wear pants after working is that, and he's more comfortable in the dress. So this works out. They swap clothes and right off in the right sunset. Off in the sunset while dropping bombs behind them, like fucking Link from Legend of Zelda. There the, is the some... line from Black Adder that I never forget, uttered by Lord, well, other than Wolf, which is also uttered by Lord Flashheart. She's got a tongue like an electric eel, and she likes the taste of a man's tonsils. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, because Melchit has this line of being like, how strange that you have fallen for this person. And he's like, well, I thought she was a man. He's like, oh, that makes sense then. I'm like... Yeah, Stephen, that does make sense <laughs> to you now. Like, um, they find little ways here and there to allude to the fact that Stephen's actually gay. Was he openly out at I this point? I think he was. And even if he wasn't open to the public, he was definitely open to the cast. I do know one of he was one of those people that I, th- I don't think he came out publicly till the 21st century. But it was one of those that he's like, I'm gay. And everyone's like, we, we know. <laughs> like, we've known, Stephen. <laughs> this is not... 
A secret. <laughs> Did you think you were keeping a secret? <laughs> oh, God. What, what's up next on the... So after Bells was head. Which one is head? Is where he becomes the executioner. Oh. And he almost gets head. And then Baldrick fucks it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the episode head, but there's not much, like, he becomes executioner. It might be the weakest episode of this season. Which it plays still around with the, it, the, uh, bureau- the bureaucracy of, like, how easy it is for somebody's name to just end up on a death warrant. Yeah. The, the basic through line is he's made executioner. Another role that he gets that um, is people trying to get him killed, mm-hmm. honestly, because the head executioner keeps getting murdered in revenge. Uh, kills a guy a day early so they can all have a day off. And then the queen decides to not kill that guy. Uh Oh, uh Oh, he's dead. And the very, very petulant queen will be extremely mad. I can't imagine having to deal with Queenie. <laughs> Oof. Literally. I think the only redeeming thing of Queenie is she keeps nursey around and nursey because nursey is just her nurse maid, like mm-hmm. the woman who looked after her growing up. Nursemaids aren't really a thing we have anymore, but they were, they I literally think. were like nursing the child, like, cause the mother didn't want to or whatever. Right. But she's gone completely senile and will mostly just tell stories about diapers or like, <laughs> why you was almost a boy. Everyone thought you were when they pulled you from your mom. They said it doesn't have a winkle. What's a boy without a winkle? Oh, damn. <laughs> oh boy. And oddly, Nursey is the only one who is never in any danger of being killed by the queen. Mm-hmm. Even though the queen seems to hate her. I did. <laughs> I do love Mr. and Mistress Ploppy. Yeah. It is Ploppy, my lord. Uh, I don't got too much about head. It's fun. I like it. Yeah. Uh, potato. Sir Walter, really? This is the one with Tom Baker. Yes, it is. It was it, Captain Redbeard Rum. It falls for... There is a thing that actors do in British TV shows sometimes, especially in this era, and Blackadder is super guilty of it, where the really intense characters just Brian Blessed their entire way through. Because mm. Flash does the same thing in the first episode of he just like, well, I'm going to scream all my lines because I'm a... And Tom Baker definitely does that in this role, but it's just so fucking fun. And that's, this is the one that got a woman's hands, (laughs) me Lord. This is the one that Cece was excited about. And she's never really seen much Tom Baker, Dr. Who, but he shows up as Bendu in season three of star Wars rebels, Mm. a giant force entity that like, might be the force himself. Like he's, he's Bendu, the one in the middle. So being like this insane sailor is Bendu was really my winning point for her. I think on this one, just to mention it, cause he's kind of weirdly geek royalty in his own way. The guy that played Sir Walter Raleigh mm-hmm. is uh, Simon Jones, who was the original Arthur Dent on the teleplays. Oh, damn. We joke about it, but Britain really only has about six actors, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> I think he's I think he's still acting. I think he was the king in like um 
Downton Abbey. I think most of these people are still acting mm-hmm. somewhere. I mean, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie are the ones that took off, but Rowan Atkinson seems largely retired these days. Right. Well, <laughs> whenever they have to do some sort of weird, like, anniversary special in Britain, they'll pay him enough money to show up for, like, five minutes as a black adder. Yeah. And that's the fun thing of the whole character set. I mean, they they honestly were talking and trying to get another Black Adder series going for years, and then Hugh Laurie got huge in house, and suddenly they're like, "Okay, we're not affording this." Have you heard some of the uh, the ideas that they had for the other seasons? Uh, one of them was going to be in like a Beatles style band, and Brian Blessed was going to be back in it. Yeah, let me see here. I have. Uh, they kept trying to do a World War II prison camp, which is just fucking Hogan's Heroes, the Black Adder world. Uh, so there was, there was a World War II era prison escape story. Uh, another one they threw around was Blackadder as a member of Margaret Thatcher's cabinet. Oh my God. Um, there Thatcher was, is a psychopath if there ever was one. There was one that they'd thrown around that was going to be called the Red Adder, which was going to be a Rev- Russian Revolution set Blackadder. Communist <laughs> Where he would be a secret policeman for one side and end up by the end of the series being a secret policeman for the other side. It works. Black Adder is a piece of shit. Every one of them is awful. Um, there was the, yeah, the Beatles one you mentioned where there would be a rock band called the Black Adder five bald Rick would have been on the drums. <laughs> and then they also talked about basically a James Bond spoof not related to the fact that he eventually was John English. Mm-hmm. I think this one, I don't know if they would have been able to do this one with the same cast, but Stephen Fry at one point suggested that they do one set in boarding school, which would have been Blackadder in the fifth. Interesting. You know, I don't blame them for finishing where they did. We'll get to it. The The final episode is one of the most beautiful things we've seen in a very strange way. Uh, and the f- Closer to history you get, modern history you get, I think the harder it is to play mm-hmm. Blackadder characters. Yeah. But eh, but it would have been fun. Uh, what do we, uh, the potato is, oh, they go on the sailing ship. There's a lot of jokes about drinking pee. Yeah. It's funny. They 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 make a Melchit and Walter drink pee at the end. Mm-hmm. Captain Redbeard rum. They make a lot of fun of Walter Raleigh. Yes, they do. <laughs> Who is a very famous explorer, which means he's, you know, super imperialist in retrospect, but uh, legitimately one of the more important people in British history. And he's just an idiot in this one. Um, After Potato is money. Turns out Blackadder is broke as fuck. Yeah. And he's just been lying about it forever. Owes a thousand pounds to the black monks. This is the one where Queenie might be her shittiest to me because she keeps dragging him across town for practical so jokes that are like not. I don't know why I've seen this episode before, but even <laughs> when I was going back through it, I was like, stop doing this to him right now. He has money. He has to go pay. Stop <laughs> taking his money and giving it to Melchit. Yeah, Fuck Melchit. <laughs> she doesn't know that is the thing. Because uh, he has everyone in court thinking he's. The richest person in England. He's not. He's not. Uh, I enjoyed... Oh, God, who was it? Um, 
The prostitute at the very beginning, I was oddly a very big fan of. Like, I wanted Ooh. more of her. Why are you looking at the dude from Raiders? Because that's the bath-eating bishop of Bath and Wells. The baby-eating bishop of Bath and Wells. The big guy? I never in a million years would have... He lost a lot of weight somewhere. Yeah, he was Arnold Tote. What's the actor's name? Uh, Ronald Lacey. Good for him. He's yeah. a creep in all directions. Yeah, he was. I was just like, wait, what? Was he just in a fat suit? I don't know. He's. A, I don't know. He's a big guy in this. I. I think it must have been a fat suit because there are scenes where he's like sitting down and it doesn't look quite natural. right. Yeah. Pretty classic. Oh my god, I need money, or this person's going to break my everything. Well, it's more. I'm gonna. He's gonna shove a hot poker up your ass. Yep. That's very specifically what's what's coming to Black Hatter. And then they essentially pull a, a a move that people kept trying to do on Rasputin, and they get him drunk and take pictures of him doing <laughs> depraved sexual things. Although in this case, it's draw portraits of him doing depraved yeah. sexual things and with Percy. Yep, with Percy. Um, and you're all like, "Oh, it's gonna be the prostitute from Big." Nope, it's Percy. I do love it's that's, great working with you. That's the. This is the episode where they create where uh, Percy makes the purest green. Oh my god! Yeah, they're doing alchemy, and he's trying to create pure gold. Like it's not gold; that's green. I've created pure green. green. Cece and I are both like that's uranium. That's not good. You should not be wearing that purse. That's a. I like. I like this one. I like. That I one. think this is one of the better episodes throughout. The, the pure green part runs through. Yeah, the fucking pure green. Uh, the next episode after that is Beer, where the White Adders come. The classic, I mean, I almost... It's a double-booked sitcom episode. Yes, every sitcom has to do this gag. We're going to throw two parties. The not funny party, the, the, like, serious withdrawn party, and the rager party. They either do it with two parties, or they do it with, I'm on a date. With two girls at the same time. I, I prefer the two parties mm -hmm. by a lot. Uh, this, this is, is our the first one with Hugh Laurie. Yes. Which is not the one... We forget that Hugh Laurie's in this because he's not in a huge role in it. He just plays a random drunkard who thinks everything sounds like bum. <laughs> including the word bums. But also words that have like just... That's a little rude, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, Black Adder's aunt and uncle, who are hardcore Puritans, like the most Puritan of Puritans. And I've been listening to a podcast about the Salem Witch Trials. So that adds in some flavor to this one. Uh, they will only eat raw turnips. Yeah, it was that. Uh Daniel Thorndike as Lord Nathaniel Whiteadder, and Miriam Margulies as Lady Whiteadder, who the joke casting there is that she was very famous at the time for being a very Jewish, very out lesbian <laughs> actress. You know, not to typecast, but all of that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> So that this, was the joke in the casting with putting her as this Lady also Whiteadder. starts Baldrick's obsession with turnips that will later become major like parts of his character in later seasons. 
a mess up. It wasn't supposed to be turnips. What was it supposed to be? You you realize how they have like the most awkward shit. Like so, the joke at the end of the episode is that like the the turnip, the turnip looks, like, looks a like a dick, but it also oh, just looks thing. like it looks like a fucking super mutated turnip. Right? Yeah, it, it's not a good turnip. It's because the writer meant to write parsnip. <laughs> And mixed up parsnips and turnips. Fair enough. I don't have my root vegetables downgrade either. Which makes more sense. Um, it's easier for a parsnip to end up looking like a dick than a turnip. Yes. No, that actually explains a whole lot, but we'll roll with it. Uh, best gag here is the queen getting drunk. The queen getting drunk. And the queen get repeatedly getting thrown in the closet, but... And Which then, actually and might Miriam, have some deeper level. There was a lot of debate about whether Queen Elizabeth was a lesbian. Well, and then at Probably the very not, but, you know. the very end of the episode, they have Miriam, Lady Whiteadder, come out from under Queenie's dress. That's true. Ooh, I would not have got that. Um, and we finally get to hear the the Drunken Goblin song that uh, Blackadder sings anytime he gets shitfaced. Yes. Um, I do... It's so fucking dumb, but I laugh every time Melchit uncovers his fucking giant fake golden tits. Because mm-hmm. they're uh, they're they're doing a drinking party, and the one uh, a proper drinking party has to have good comical breasts. Also, when uh, Black Adder accidentally walks into the White Adder party wearing the fake breasts, and he's like, "They're ear muffs," and just wears fake tits on the sides of his head for the rest of the episode. I do love he finally get, just gets to the point where he walks in and fucking Lady White Adder has in on him and he's just like, I can't explain this now. Well, he's shit-faced, too, <laughs> yeah. at that point. It's like, I'm... Nope, I'm too far gone. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do like uh, Lord White Adder coming back and being like... This Thanks for great. the party. This is great. Looks like a thingy. thingy. <laughs> it's so juvenile humor. Blackadder ranges between super intelligent and super dumb. Is this the episode or? Well, look, we haven't really talked about the fact that like we're 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 talking about these little things here and there. Like almost all of the second season is no action. It's all dialogue. Which is why, as we're going through this, and I'm being like, yeah, that's great. great." It's so hard to talk about shows like this sometimes because it's so funny, but I can't just repeat the jokes. That's bad podcasting. But it's also legitimately like an hour's worth of dialogue in every 30 minutes. Because that's how they made up for... Like not being able to just put insert shots of the countryside. It is that interesting they did in the here. First season. It's thirty minutes instead of uh, the usual like twenty three that mm-hmm. American television is. It feels like a fucking hour in the first season. Mm-hmm. Every episode feels so fucking long. Second season just keeps that clip going, and like it still feels longer than a normal uh, sitcom episode that I'm used to. But like it doesn't drag. Really? Ever? Yeah, but that was like, that was one of the big changes was, okay, we don't have the money. We're not going and doing all these crazy outdoor things. Where in the first season, legit has like half as much dialogue because they're actually going out and riding a horse and showing you like action transition sequences or Mm -hmm. them, even just them like doing some B-roll of like walking through the village or something. You don't have that in the second season. Nope. They it's have all filled in with dialogue. 
95% of this season, well, 90, takes place on two sets. Blackadder's home and, and the Queen's throne room. Mm-hmm. And it's a tiny fucking throne room. Yeah, so it's almost impossible to really, like, Blackadder is being snarky, like, five times every minute. Like, <laughs> There's one fucking line, and it came up. Let's see if I can find it real fast. It's listed as, like, one of the best insults in like the history of television uh, and it's the 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 br- baldrick you wouldn't know a cunning plan if it painted itself purple dancing naked on a harpsichord screen singing cunning plans are here again not the one but i do enjoy that one <laughs> uh it's i be- it's from season two and it's uh um the eyes are open, the mouth moves, but Mr. Brain has long since departed, hasn't he, Percy? That's another good That's one. That's such a good... And it's every single... I could not be mean to people like this. I'm just not smart enough, let alone enough of a dick bag. <laughs> like, it's just like... It's four. What's that, Baldrick? Some beans and some beans is four. Yeah, we've moved on from advanced mathematics. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I mean, literally, the way they open the second season is trying to teach Baldrick addition. And it's, I've got these two beans and two other beans. What do I have? Some beans. Beans. Okay, no, no, let's try again. What do I make with these? A very small casserole. (laughs) Like, God damn it. Okay, these two beans and these two beans. Three beans in that other bean. <laughs> God damn it. God, that is better than the entire first season of the show. Just mm-hmm. that stupid, stupid. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. Episode six, Chains. Best season or best episode we've watched so far. Yeah, Chains is great. Chains Far and away. Uh, out of all the episodes, Chains is, Chains is the one that like me and my friend group that watched all the, the British sitcoms and shit, we would pull the... Yes, <laughs> no. I was the no. It was the fucking uh, spit on the food. Ein zwei, <laughs> make rude gestures towards the prisoner. Ein zwei, ein zwei, ein ooh. That is going to make absolutely no sense. No one who's ever seen this show. Uh, so Blackadder is kidnapped <laughs> by a cr- Blackadder and Lord Melchett are kidnapped by a crazed German prince who is a master of impersonation. And the running gag of it is always like, we meet again. No, I don't think we have, actually. Oh, do you remember this whatever in the, uh, you know? Flossy? Flossy the sheep? (laughs) Do you remember this person that you met? No, you're not. Yes, I was the sheep, or I was the barmaid. But uh, didn't I we... Was the, yeah. I went to bed with you. Yes. <laughs> like, and it's the real introduction of Hugh Laurie as a significant part of this show. And Hugh Laurie brings amazing things. This Because he's Hugh fucking Laurie. And he's young Hugh Laurie, who was so good at playing the British moron. Or in this case, the German moron. I think one of my favorite bits is the fucking... The, the charades with the jailer to figure out what his torture is going to be. <laughs> He's basically taken by, he thinks it's the Spanish Inquisition, mm-hmm. even though it ends up being a German prince that has him. And he has to figure out, because the, the guy is trying to elicit confessions from him, but neither one of them speaks the opposite language. 
So you end up with Blackadder in a box with spikes pointing towards him with just like his hands and his heads pointed out, playing charades with an insane Spanish torturer, getting him to confess to his love of the devil. Wait, so if I say I love Satan and all of his little <laughs> wizards... <laughs> And then, like, they get it right and shake hands, and he's like, all right, I love Satan. <laughs> I'm like, sure. Uh, it's... I'm still not clear on that one. Oh, so <laughs> I forgot that they reveal what it is in the episode. And so when he said the word, I looked it up on Google, and I went, oh, it's a scythe. And then, like, 30 seconds later, oh, it's a scythe. It, 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 uh, the running guy, the one word that he can't figure out in charades is scythe, is what he's going to cut his testicles yeah he kept thinking with. it was a blunt instrument that they were going to get <laughs> smashed with Ooh, ooh, oh god that makes me think of the fucking in season three of um uh uh miracle workers oh. where daniel radcliffe feels guilty about having an affair so he builds a bicycle for himself that he can ride that will just repeatedly smash him in the testicles and daniel radcliffe has never made me laugh so hard See, when he was talking about his testicles being smashed with a blunt object, I thought of a different Daniel, and I thought of Daniel Craig in um, who yeah. in 007. In uh, what? That's the first one, isn't it? Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. And they fucking oh god! They give a good explanation for why James Bond didn't have any by blows from all of his uh, all of his dalliances. <laughs> because his balls get pulled through a wicker chair and then just like repeatedly beaten. By Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, my God. Somebody got off to that scene. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is the episode to dive back to. This is the episode where Blackadder is actually capable. Mm -hmm. Like, even though he's smarter and whatever in all of these things, you know, he's supposed to, in the, the Lord Raleigh episode, go, like, sail past the unsailable peak or whatever. Yeah, they were going to go around the Cape of Good Hope. Or at least that's what he told everybody. But then his plan was just to go down to France and hang out for a couple of weeks and come back. And then instead he gets lost at sea for two years. And they end up in Australia. Is that where they are? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the boomerang. Oh, fuck, you're right. Duh. Duh. Now I feel dumb. <laughs> uh, so, like, most of his things is like, yes, I'm this great and capable person, but I'm actually, like, a liar. He's legitimately a capable agent for the queen in this episode. Yeah. Also, Nurse's cow costume with the three, three. sets of udders <laughs> is a nightmare. It's so nightmare-inducing. The first time I watched through that episode, I didn't actually notice that she had a cow head and thought that she just, like, was put on the udders. Which, it's nursey if it's. It would have worked. <laughs> I just had to kill the one that looked like a cow. The running gag is anytime there's a a uh, costume party, Nursey will get excited and then will make a cow costume because she's a deranged, utter, obsessed old woman. Yeah. It's so good. God, there we have it, I guess? Yeah, I mean, we talked... Oh, it's a scythe. Um... Yeah, we talked about them all. I fucking love them all. It's just that it keeps going. 
And I think that's where, where we're both like, well, it's not over yet with yet because there's two more seasons. Next episode, we're going to do season three. We will, I mean, one, now that we've kind of explained the concept of Blackadder, I think we can go. And we'll try to dive into the episodes themselves a little heavier. It, it, it was the reason I didn't want to do these first two seasons, even though I'm really glad that we did, is because they're so polarly different that it was just... How do we discuss them? Uh, I, I, I'm hoping next episode we'll be able to sink our teeth in a little deeper now that we have the primer. I don't know. I'm losing track of how to describe this. I will say, I, I do think season two might be overall my favorite season. I'm going to have, this rewatch is going to help me determine. I've but wa- from previous rewatches, I fucking love. It's two or three for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be two. Uh, they all are. Well, three out of four are incredible, and the first one has potential. Can you imagine if they would have had the same writing direction that they had from two on with the cast that they had in one? It would have been perfect. It would have been one of the most brilliant pieces of TV ever made. I will say, and we watch a, I watch a lot of comedy shows. I've been missing sitcoms lately, and I've been kind of rewatching some Letterkenny and mm-hmm. Shorzy and yada yada yada. Uh, but I, God, I Shorzy was so good, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it's become one of my like, oh, have you watched this yet? No, I told him like, you sit down. Um, this made me happy in a way that a sitcom has not, kind of in a long time. Ted Lasso is so feel good. I'll fucking mm-hmm. die for that show. Uh, uh, Shorzy is so good in its own way. The closest of the ones I've been watching is Letterkenny, just with that, like, quick pace. But, I don't know, there's such a, a weird intelligence to this show that I don't know how to convey to you because it's smarter than I am. Yeah, I... And anytime, I'm not dumb. I'm not insulting myself while saying that. Like, Anytime I feel like... Like, I'm in a situation where I need to put it on a little bit and, like, I need to, like, be a little bit more witty. I need to be a little bit more charming. I need to... the person. to be honest, maybe be a little bit more cruel sometimes. Because sometimes it's funny. And sometimes it's needed. Sometimes you need that ability to, like, shut things down. Like, it's not a joke I think about Lord Edmund in this season. Probably going to in the future. That's a... mm. Like, thinking about Lord Edmund's quips in this season, just watch the season like three times in a row, you will be wittier than you're in all, in all of your conversations for the next week. Yeah, no, better choices. And while we haven't really discussed it, Baldrick deserves so much more credit than we gave him this episode. We barely brought him up. Tony Robinson is fucking fantastic as Baldrick. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else, but he is... He has possibly the best comedic timing out of any of these people. Here's the, I, I mean, I I don't know how much it was him. I don't know how much it wasn't what we do know between season one and two, Rowan Atkinson stopped writing, but I don't think he truly stopped writing because him and Tony's performances are writing all of their own on this show and their timing and their chemistry together Mm -hmm. as being, Blackadder and, and Baldrick. Well, and it's Atkinson stopped writing, but another person did keep writing from the first season. Yes. It's not mm-hmm. entirely um, uh, Richard Curtis. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now Robinson's great though. Even, even if I'm having a hard time with it right now, I know that he's done shit that he's one of those actors that you see him and you're like, Hey, it's him. 
Worst jobs in history is actually a lot of fun. And it's literally just him learning about like, oh, this is what it would have been like to be a leech collector. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's some dark shit there right now. Um, yeah, so next time, season three? Next time, season three, we will get to see Black Adam, the valet. And hopefully by next time, because it's coming out between now and then, I'll have seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Wakanda forever. Because I'm kind of champing at the bit Ooh, to see my boy really uh, Namor. Yeah! I was reading an interview. Apparently in the movie, they're, they intentionally are having some characters calling him Namor and some Namor. Just Does be- someone call him Namor? Ugh. Ugh. Because... I mean, there's... That's the, the life experience of a person of color with an ethnic name. Getting the name wrong? How many different pronunciations I've heard of my last name? Yeah, I've done like three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In defense, I thought I was actually pretty correct, and you're like, no, it's been super Americanized. Yeah, yeah, my... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, my... We, my family doesn't say our name correctly, and we acknowledge no, it. No, no, it's your name. You say it how you say it, and it's correct. Don't oh, no, get but, me wrong, but it was definitely... Oh, no, like, it's... We... That, that's the thing. We all say that it's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, Mr. Reese. Um, <laughs> God, okay. Eventually, I will get used to the fact that we don't do recommendations anymore, and that we just have to end episodes now. So... Thanks for coming. Love to see you. In the meantime, we're your Generals of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed! Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.